0: This is Generation Justice. I'm Derek Toledo.
1: And I'm Kateri Zuni. Generation Justice is a multimedia movement to train youth to harness the power of media to promote social change.
0: It's Valentine's Day, and people all over are celebrating love and romance.
1: But for too many people, much more dangerous and heartbreaking events are in store. Sexual violence and dating violence are an ugly reality in our society that affect men and women in alarming numbers.
0: Tonight, we will hear from three enlace comunitario youth leaders who are educating their peers on the prevention of teen dating violence and the importance of healthy relationships.
1: Kira Luna of the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico will add to the discussion about resources available in the community for those who want to learn or need help.
0: Before we dive into these conversations, we're going to start with a little music. Here is First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes.
1: All of our music this evening was specially chosen for the messages of healthy relationships, so listen carefully.
2: This is the first day of my life. Swear I was born right in the doorway. I went out in the rain, suddenly everything changed. They're spreading blankets on the beach.
0: Enlace Comunitario is a social justice organization that provides direct services to victims of domestic violence in the Latino community through advocacy, counseling, legal services, and community education.
1: February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, and Enlace Comunitario youth leaders have joined forces with the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico to raise awareness of dating violence among teens.
0: The leaders have been actively working with peers in their communities through trainings and social media campaigns.
1: Here is DJ fellow Polly Claw with Juan Silva, Danny Perez, and Mariara Rodriguez of Enlace Comunitario.
3: My name is Polly Dinecla and I'm sitting here with Mariana Rodriguez, Juan Silva, Danny Perez from Enlace Comunitario. They are youth leaders who are talking with their peers about teen dating violence. They go to different high schools and community health fairs around Albuquerque to talk about this issue. Welcome to Generation Justice.
4: Glad to be on.
3: So the first thing that I'm going to have you guys each do is just please introduce yourselves.
4: I'm Danny Danny Perez. I am a sophomore at Mondano High School and this is my fourth year being a youth leader at Enlace Comunitario.
5: So I'm Juan Silva. This is my fourth year as a youth leader. Go to Highland High School and I'm currently a junior.
6: My name is Mariana Rodriguez. I go to Volcano Vista. I'm a sophomore and this is my second year at Enlace. Can you guys tell me a
3: little bit more about Enlace and the work that you guys do there?
4: We volunteer in the prevention department as youth leaders and we go out to communities, schools, churches, community centers, and we talk about teen dating violence and all the other little subcategories that fall under it, like how to be a bystander, how to spot an abusive relationship. And currently we are doing like a series of presentations at San Middle School. And we've been doing that for like the past year. And me and Juan finished one last week, I believe, about how to be a bystander and all these good things.
5: So to capitalize on what Danny just said, um, Enlace Comunitario is a nonprofit organization that helps Latino and immigrant families that need help. We don't just work with Latino and immigrant families. We work with whoever comes to us. We're like a refuge. So we have two departments. There's one that deals with cases and domestic violence and abuse, and the prevention department, which is where we're from. We're the youth leaders. We also have other groups like Promotoras, which are the women in action, and then the men's group, which is called um, Padres en Acción or fathers in action. All these lead us to prevent all these problems that we face in our community. We, like Danny said, we go to churches, community centers, schools, anywhere where they'll let us present. And we present on these important topics that we just see day to day and we don't see them as an important thing, but they really are.
6: Yeah, the main focus of the youth leader is kind of to have a youth to youth learning experience just because we think that would get the point across better. And why did each of
3: you decide to join in When
4: I was in middle school, my aunt who is director of the prevention department came to me and she was like, Hey Danny, there's this really cool youth group where I work and you have a really bright personality, so how about you go? So I went and I was like, This is gonna be my only year but I actually kinda like fell in love with doing it because I just I got so much knowledge and a lot of things. I felt better about myself that I knew all these things and how to educate other people, peers, about these types of things. And I met a lot of cool friends, a lot of lifelong friends, like Juan, I've known him for like a long time now. And then I know Mariana too, she's also a really good friend.
5: How I got to the group is, I was actually in a group before that, it was the young men's group. I was there for like a year and uh, there was these two guys there and they were telling me about the group. He said, we've been there since the group started. They were, I think it was their, like fourth year or fifth year in the group, they had told me, you should really join. He's like, you look like the type of person who would like this. So I started going and I had to go through the whole interview process and why I want to be in that group. And here I am, four years.
6: I heard of it from a friend and I just thought it was a good experience for me to learn how to present better because I'm really like shy in presentations in front of a lot of people. So I just thought that would be helpful for school. And I have met really cool people, and I got to experience really cool things.
3: February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, and as youth leaders, you are committed to bringing light to this issue. Can you tell me about how you're engaging young people in talking about healthy relationships?
4: It's a nationwide thing, and what the youth group is doing is like a little friendly competition within ourselves of who can get more pictures with the hashtag #OrangeForLove. And we're doing that on Instagram because a lot of high schoolers and a lot of young people are, like, on social media and stuff like that. So we decided let's do it on Instagram and see how many people we can get. And then our friends can put it
5: on their Instagram and their friends can see it and so forth. One of the things we did to raise awareness for Healthy Relating in this month is we're actually starting workshops. It's called How to Bay 101. These are going on in uh, Trisco. I think they're every Thursday from 1 to, uh, like, 3. And they're really engaging. They're just workshops on how to... Uh, have a healthy relationship, what teen dating violence is, how to spot it, how to stop it. And we're doing the paint your fingernail orange to raise awareness. So we're trying to get as many people as we can to paint their nail orange and then take a picture and post them on Instagram for this competition that we have.
6: As a student ambassador in Volcano Vista, I have talked to a couple of teachers on doing something special for this month and... We're just putting it on the announcements and making sure everyone knows that it's Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month.
3: You guys also do presentations um, at your schools, like you said, and also around the community. So can you tell me a little bit more about those presentations and what you guys really talk (laughs) about for people who don't know what teen dating violence is?
4: So, yeah, we do presentations at schools and communities and such. We do icebreakers at the beginning is to get people comfortable, like quick five-minute game. Uh, And then we have, like, one certain topic that we're talking about, and then we have a lot of little, like, three subsets of what it is. And when we do these presentations, like, it goes back and forth. Then we have little activities for them to go along with. Those can get kind of chaotic at times. But in the end, we get the point across. That's the main optimal goal. We just want them to know how to be a good bystander or how to be in a healthy relationship, how to know red flags and all these other things.
5: We've presented to uh, women's groups, and uh, what we talk to them about is how domestic violence affects their kids, or how all these things in all these groups affect their kids and how to deal with it. Or when we go to elementary schools, these little kids don't know what a relationship is, so we talk about brother and sister relationship and mom and dad relationship. And we've also done presentations, I think we've done a presentation on bullying and how to prevent bullying. We've also done presentations on healthy relating, which is how to have a healthy relationship And we've all been trained for this. We do all these presentations. We know what we're talking about. And it's just the impact that people get when it's youth-to-youth talking because an older person can sit there and just talk and give a PowerPoint. But it's more of an impact when it's someone your age giving this presentation. It's more active. It's more interactive.
6: I have done a lot of presentations on signs of abusive relationships. And I think a lot of the youth didn't get that some of these signs are there. Like they didn't see certain things as signs of an abusive relationship. So I feel like youth telling them that this might not be okay gives them a different outlook on certain things that they've been doing. And you guys
3: have each mentioned the signs of an abusive relationship. So can you tell me a little bit about what those signs are?
5: So we basically say that when there's an abusive relationship, the partner doesn't do it for fun. He does it for one main reason, power. He wants to control you and we'll tell them about these topics like, oh, a person does this because uh, they want power over you or they manipulate you, they grab your phone so you don't talk to anybody else but them or they want to know what you're doing at all times. We also do a bunch of interactions. We do games. We do activities where we'll read out the different types of abuse and then we'll give them examples and they have to go up and put them on wherever they think that it goes. What we also do is we do a lot of scenarios and skits. Sometimes we'll act stuff out. We're not saying that these are going to happen exactly how we portray them, but just what the main focus was and the main idea of these things are.
6: Some of the signs don't have to be physical, and I don't think a lot of people know that. Some can just be, like, emotional or verbal. So it's important for teens to know that. I feel like I didn't know that before this. I kind of thought, like, you know it's a, a bad relationship when they're hitting each other or when they're arguing constantly, but it can just be as simple as, like, I don't like when you put your hair up like that or I don't want you to wear this shirt or I don't want you to hang out with certain friends. And certain teens haven't realized that sometimes abusive doesn't have to be physical.
3: And so we talked about what an unhealthy relationship looks like, but I guess right now, what does a healthy relationship look like?
4: A healthy relationship is where both partners have communication within each other telling each other that they feel comfortable with this, feel comfortable with that. They have to be understanding with each other. They have to know that this isn't right or they have to do this. And they have to be trustworthy and honest with each other. Like, you know, I have to trust my partner for her to like do her own thing and she can has to trust me too. And we have to be honest
5: to each other how we feel. That's what a healthy relationship in my views should be like. Some of the major points that we talk about in presentations are trust, honesty, communication, support, and all these topics like revolve around a healthy relationship. So we portray these as key points. We don't say that every relationship should be like this and not one relationship is perfect. not one person can say their relationship' is perfect. For example, arguments happen all the time, but it's not where these arguments happen or how they happen, but it's how you deal with them and how you go on to be a better person in them and how you further the relationship and make it better.
6: Basically, mm-hmm. communication and trust are my main things because that's how you get your point across. If you don't like something, you tell them. They can't just guess what you think. And if you do like something, you can tell them that too. Why is this issue important to you?
3: To me,
4: this issue is important just because a lot of youth and a lot of people are so like uneducated about this topic and they know little to nothing about it. I feel like someone has to do something to educate people. And tell people that it isn't normal and it should really be talked about because it is a very hard conversation to have with someone because it's like awkward to some people
5: or if they've been in an abusive relationship but we have to break the silence and talk about it. When it was my first year one of the things I learned was breaking the cycle was one of the things we talked about and if somebody in their household or in a relationship sees these things they'll see it as something normal So they'll keep on doing it or they'll portray it in their own way. So, for example, if a little kid grows up seeing this abuse and in a dysfunctional family, he'll go on in his relationships and do the same thing. Why? Because he saw it as normal. So I see it as a job that we have to do to educate people on this, to say, hey, you know what, this isn't normal. This isn't something you do in life.
6: It's important to me because I have seen people close to me be in abusive relationships, and I don't want anyone else to go through something like that and the sooner people in general know how to prevent it the better so if young people are experiencing teen dating violence
3: where should they go for help
4: there's quite a couple of places that they could go and Loss is one of them there's also this website called love And there's also like a phone number that you can text and you can ask them any question. And it isn't like a bot, it's actually a real person and they'll text back. And I'm pretty sure you can
5: also call. So that's a really cool website to go. It's called loveisrespect.org. At our presentations, we usually ask, or I usually ask like, if you guys are in these unhealthy relationships or if you see abuse, where would you go to? And I'd say, raise your hand if you'd go to your parent, two or three. So then I say, raise your hand if you'd go to a friend almost all of them raise their hand. So one of the important things that we have to see here is that younger people won't actually go to a parent because of just mainly because they're scared of what their parent's going to say. Like, oh, you can't be um, with that person anymore. You're not allowed to see them anymore. You just got to get away from them. So they'll go to a friend and they'll talk to a friend, you know what, this and this is happening because they feel like they can get help. So one of the things we ask is, if you're that friend, get help for them because if they're really your friend, you got to be that active friend, you got to be that faithful friend. We also tell them to go to counselors. Every school has a counselor. If things get really bad, you can also call the police. They have therapists. Um if you're experiencing uh, unhealthy an unhealthy household or if you see something happening at home, you can also call the police there. You could go to enlace comunitario as we, as I said earlier, we have uh two departments and one of them is our caseworkers and um they help with all sorts of things like that. We have the rape crisis center that can help with things like that too. If Things go really south, and I think that's it.
6: In my presentations, I just ask everyone to think of a person they would tell, usually a trusted adult, and just have that person in your mind just in case anything happens. But there's uh, Agora, the crisis hotline, and they're really cool. If you just need something off your chest, you can definitely call Agora.
5: One of the things we present about is a safety plan. So if something like that happens, you have to know what to do. Because many people that see it, they get like shocked by it. So when we go to presentations, we usually tell people, just have that backup plan. It's not necessarily telling you that something bad's going to happen. But for example, if you see something happening in public or something happens in your house or with your friends, but you got to know what to do. You got to be active, be interactive.
3: I want to thank you guys so much for coming to Generation Justice and talking about this really important issue. Before we wrap up this interview, is there anything else that you guys would like to add or say?
4: Yeah, I just wanted to put out since, you know, it is February. It is like the month of like Valentine's Day. And it also is the month of Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, like we said earlier. Uh, We wanted to just give awareness out to people. The youth group is doing a little competition if you want to help us out with our competition, put your picture of you putting out teen dating, violence awareness, talk about it and how you feel about it and just put a hashtag orange for love and then Danny for love. I really appreciate that.
5: Just one of the things I'd like to say, I know we talk about these topics and they get real serious and they get real deep, but the thing that I just like to say is that relationships should be fun. They shouldn't be something you see as something strict or something that you have to do. It should be fun. I mean, it's a partner and partner thing. Go out there, express yourself, find someone that you can actually be yourself with. Don't be somebody you're not, and don't change for anybody.
6: I want to go back to the safety plan. I heard this strategy where you have a code word with either your parents or just your trusted adult, and you have a word and you just text them. That word and wherever you are, they should go there and get you because it means you're in danger or in a situation you don't want to be in and they go get you, no questions asked. So I encourage everyone to go do that because I mean, I have my safety plan and it just helps me feel more comfortable. I want to thank
3: each of you again for coming into Generation Justice and really for your work within the community because I know when I was young, I didn't know what a healthy relationship was and what it really looked like. And it wasn't until I was in college where I was actually taking like a psychology class or something and where I learned about like what a healthy relationship is. And so I think this is such important work that you guys are doing because we can't wait until people are in college to teach them about what a healthy relationship is. So I just really want to thank you guys for the work that you're doing and to continue. And again, thank you guys.
5: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you for having us very much. It's important to realize how bad relationships have serious damage on people's lives. I like how the Enlace Comunitario youth leaders are helping kids around their age. It's, it's more impactful when it's youth-to-youth youth conversation.
1: And I loved hearing about the confidence you each gained through the program. And as always, I'm so inspired to see youth engaging. Thank you, Juan, Danny, and Mariana for all of your dedication and passion.
0: Now nah, here is prime time by Janelle Moyni featuring Miguel.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Generation Justice, where tonight we are discussing sexual violence, dating violence, and the community leaders who work to prevent them.
0: Kara Luna is the Prevention Education Specialist at the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico, who has been working with the Enlace Comunitario Youth Leaders in Awareness and Prevention.
1: Here is DJ fellow Cristina Rodriguez with Kira Luna, talking about working with the Enlace Comunitario Youth and the wonderful services provided at the center.
2: My name is Cristina Rodriguez, and I am here with Kira Luna, the prevention education specialist at the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico. Welcome to Generation Justice, Kira. Thanks for having me. To start us off, can you tell us
7: more about yourself? Sure. So I moved out to New Mexico a little over six years ago to attend graduate school at UNM. And then after graduating, I entered the nonprofit sector because I knew that I really wanted to do work that aligned with my passions and my values. And so at this point, I've been at the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico for a little over two years now. And what services does the Rape Crisis Center provide so everything that we offer is free and confidential and we also have bilingual services english and spanish so immediately after somebody experiences any form of sexual violence they can work with our crisis department so maybe that might look like just meeting with somebody to talk about your experience in person or over a hotline Um, That could look like having an advocate, one of our advocates, come with you to file a police report Mm -hmm. or to get a SANE exam, a sexual assault nurse exam, And those are always optional. I mean, our advocates really will support the survivor in whatever they need and whatever decision that they make. We also offer free counseling for anyone 13 and up. And it's really important for our youth listeners to know that you don't need um, parental or guardian permission to come in for our services. That is something that you can access once you are 13 or older on your own. And so our counseling department, they offer a path to healing, basically, for not only survivors themselves, but anybody impacted by sexual violence. So it may be a family member, it may be a dating partner who also needs to go in and speak with one of our counselors. We do have a volunteer department, so anybody who's really looking to serve their community in this way could join that. And then we have the team that I'm on, which is the community education and outreach department. And our job is to really get the community engaged in this issue. Talking about sexual violence is obviously not something that people do around the dinner table and so we go to health fairs. We do a lot of interactive games to get people comfortable with the topic. We go into schools in Sandoval, Bernalillo, Valencia, and Torrance counties. So that's our service area for the agency, and we educate youth around a variety of different topics. Um, We also do adult presentations, so anyone in the community who is looking to get more um, informed around issues of sexual violence, we'll go in and we'll do a very tailored training to that audience.
2: I think those services are so important for our community. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but can you just tell me a little bit more about your role um, as a prevention education specialist?
7: Sure. So I'm really fortunate in that my job is to educate the community. And so I really work with diverse audiences, but mostly what I do is our youth programming. So what that looks like is we have programs for middle school students. I run a program called Proyecto de Voz, Project Voice, and that is for female-identified middle school students. And then there's sort of a brother program that goes along with that, that's called Palabra, which is Word, and it's for male-identified middle school students. We also run a program called the Anti-Sexual Violence Training Institute, and that's a mixed gender program that we do in high school settings. We also have a rural outreach program called the Youth Action Leadership Academy, and so that's really for the areas in, in Torrance County, Valencia, and Sandoval that oftentimes don't have these types of services available in every community. So we go out into schools there and we train peer leaders, and so that way they have the knowledge and can carry that throughout their own communities
2: Why do you think it's important for young people to really understand sexual violence?
7: So the unfortunate reality here in New Mexico is that one in four females and one in 20 males experiences sexual assault during their lifetime. And we oftentimes don't even talk about males who are survivors of sexual violence. But here in New Mexico, it's mostly boys. So that one in 20 is people who are 17 years old or younger. And so it's incredibly important to understand when we go into any community space that we're talking to all genders. We're talking to people um, of all sexual orientations and just letting them know this can happen to anybody. And, in fact, you probably know somebody who is a survivor, although you may not actually know it because it's something that a lot of people are not um, open about for a variety of reasons, right? It can be something that causes a lot of shame, embarrassment, confusion, And so in talking to young people, we know in any given setting that there may be survivors and we just want them to know it's okay, it's not your fault, you didn't do anything wrong. The other half of that is that in talking to young people, we want them to be accepting and to be open when they have a friend or family member who shares that they have been sexually violated in some way, shape, or form. We call it primary prevention. We're trying to prevent violence before it actually happens. And in order to do that, it's not saying this is how you defend yourself or carry Mm -hmm. mace. If any individual wants to do that, that's great. Self-empowerment in whatever form is a beautiful thing. But what we're looking at are really the root causes. So what I mean by that are um, really toxic ideas about masculinity, um, an idea that women should be submissive or that they are less than, Um, an idea that anybody who identifies as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans deserves violence enacted upon them. These are all things that we're trying to educate about because we find that the more people know, the more comfortable they feel, um, and the more open they'll be to understanding difference across society, and the less likely they will be to enact violence upon another person.
2: Absolutely. I think especially for me it wasn't until i got to college and you know it's like going on your own going to college like they're telling you how to protect yourself like this is you need to carry mace like you're going to be walking alone on campus and i think that that conversation could have happened earlier you know and i just think that's so important for young people to really have that discussion because it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter where you are for Just that awareness to be there and that communication to be there so that people can talk about something that is a reality for so many people and to feel comforted that the community is there for them.
7: Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I mean, when I went to college, my older brother, who was already doing anti-violence work, he said, Kira, you know, one in five women, college women, experience sexual assault. So, you know, like think of your four closest friends and one of you will have this happen. And my attitude at the time, you know, because no one had really talked to me about this, I was like, what are you talking about? You're just like trying to scare me. And that doesn't happen to any of my friends or it hasn't happened Interestingly enough, though, once I stepped into this role at the Rape Crisis Center, several of my friends have shared their personal stories. And I think it's because they thought, okay, well, Kira knows about this issue. She's not going to judge me. And so a lot of the education we're doing is we're hoping that we're building a community that is like that. Right. So when somebody needs to tell someone what happened to them, they feel like they're not going to be judged because that person is educated around it. And they're not going to blame them, make them feel like it's their fault. Um, and so really like seeing the other side of it now is that it's not that it doesn't happen just because it hasn't happened to you or because a friend hasn't told you it very well may have already happened. Sometimes like other people in the community, when they find out where I work, they're like, Ooh, and I'm like, no, it's great. I work with young people. It's actually a lot of fun. And that's the hard thing um truth that sometimes we're not able to say is we're human beings too and there is that creative element of how do you talk about something that is so secretive and so heavy and the way that we do it is we have fun like we meet people where they're at we understand it's uncomfortable we make jokes about it being uncomfortable because it can be really heavy
2: yeah i mean and there's such a strength and power in being uncomfortable together if you know what I mean like mm-hmm. to have that vulnerability and to share that like kind of what you said like once you open up and you show that you're supportive of that other people will open up to you as well and I absolutely think so important if someone listening or if someone in New Mexico is experiencing some type of sexual violence what steps can they take
7: so that's a really important thing to think about because oftentimes this can enter people's lives unexpectedly Um, And the truth is oftentimes the perpetrator, the person who's causing the sexual violence is somebody that you know, maybe it's a family member, maybe it is a dating partner, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's somebody from a church community Um, And so really to think beforehand, what would you do if somebody came to you or what would you do if this happened to you? And the great thing is we have amazing resources. So all throughout New Mexico, we have rape crisis centers. And in the areas that aren't served by rape crisis centers, we have a statewide coalition that goes into communities and does this support work and this education work. But for folks who are in Torrance, Bernalillo, Sandoval, and Valencia counties. Our agency, the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico, is here to serve you. And again, everything is free. Everything is confidential. We have services in English and Spanish. Oftentimes, the first step people take is calling our hotline. And so locally, people can call 266-7711. But this hotline number is actually open to anybody in the country. So they can access it by calling 888- 811-8282. And that's a toll-free number. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we have several services. So right after sexual violence happens, we have trained advocates who are amazingly understanding and helpful. And then we have the long-term care, which is counseling. And so that's really how people find a path to healing. And
2: how can people listening to this take action or you know, just support
7: their community? I think something that probably every listener can do is shift how they think about survivors and really knowing that it's not someone's fault and really believing when somebody says this happened to them. um, When you stop and you think about this, you know, because I'm in this profession, that's exactly what I do. When you stop and you think about it, you realize, why would someone want to openly identify as a survivor. It's terrifying. And so when people do believe them, because in most cases, this happened. In fact, most times when it does happen, they're not going to say anything. And so one of the main reasons people don't is because they've read stories or they've seen somebody who came forward and wasn't believed. And so one really simple action is just believe somebody when they say that it happens. Another action is now you know about the community resource that we provide and refer people to us. Believe it or not, we've been in existence for over 40 years, but on a weekly basis, I meet people who don't know about us. And the third thing is to start talking about it. People sometimes think like, well, it's sexual violence. That's too heavy. I don't want to talk to my kid about that. I'll talk to them when they're a teenager, but that's really too late. Um, So, If you're a parent or if you have young ones in your life, you can have a very simple action of just teaching your child their body is their body, and that before they hug someone or before they give a relative a kiss on the cheek, they get to make that decision, not the adults in their lives. And there are so many other ways to start the conversation at a young age, but that's such an important action. Um, so that people don't have to wait until college to learn about these types of things. They don't have to wait until it actually happens um, to understand the realities of sexual violence. I think that's so beautiful. I mean, it's it's
2: so common sense, but it's also so revolutionary to hear like your body is your body. And I think that the younger that we teach the next generation that, the, just the more connected we can all be to each other as well. Is there
7: anything else that you would like to add? I would be remiss if I didn't talk about consent. And this is something that more and more people are becoming aware of, but it's pretty simple in that consent means that you're getting mutual agreement between two or more people before any activity happens. So when we're talking about the work that we do, it's before any type of intimate touch happens. So basically, when I'm talking to young people, I say consent is agreeing to do something with someone else's body before it happens. And... Oftentimes the young people think, oh, that's so awkward. I would never do that. And this is a great time of the year just to start talking about it and realize that consent is just respecting your partner and making sure that whatever you enjoy together, you are in fact enjoying together. And so this Valentine's Day, make sure that you have consent with all of your loved ones before you celebrate. (laughs)
2: Thank you so much, Kira. I think the work that you do is so, so important to our community and uh, your role in our community is so valuable and in shifting the narrative, especially for young people. I just think that's really important to me personally and it does us all good. So thank you so much. Thanks
7: for the opportunity.
1: Kira, thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us. I agree that we did not talk about sexual violence or even sexual education often enough. And I think it's so important that we have advocates like you who are working towards shifting that narrative towards a healthier path and away from those horrible patterns that we have as a society fallen into.
0: As uncomfortable as it is to talk about, it happens. The statistics Kira gave us, I mean, one in four females and one in 20 males experience sexual assault. Even on UNM campus, as a recent graduate, I would always get emergency text messages about an assault on campus. It's an important topic that cannot be ignored.
1: Now for our next song, Anyone Else But You by Moldy Peaches.
2: You're a part-time lover and a full-time friend. The monkey on your back is the latest trend. I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else but you. i kiss you on the brain in
4: the shadow of the train. I'll kiss you all starry-eyed, my body swinging from side to side. I don't see what...
1: Before we close tonight's show, we have one more important announcement. Generation Justice along with 23 collaborators statewide, will be hosting a press conference this Tuesday, February 16th at 11 a.m. at the New Mexico State Capitol Rotunda in Santa Fe. The press conference will honor the more than 2,300 signatures collected on the hashtag crisis petition. These signatures represent 2,300 New Mexican families. And their messages are clear. We cannot afford budget cuts to behavioral health. Voting to cut behavioral health funding intentionally hurts New Mexico. We can no longer accept the fact that jails and prisons have become the state's largest providers of behavioral health services. We deserve to have comprehensive, integrated and culturally appropriate services. And finally, behavioral health is not a partisan issue. Again, the hashtag crisis press conference is Tuesday, February 16th at 11 a.m. at the New Mexico State Capitol Rotunda in Santa Fe.
0: Well, we've reached the end of another great show.
1: We would like to thank everyone who made this show possible.
0: Thank you to Juan Silva, Diana Perez, Mariana Rodriguez for sharing your knowledge on dating and sexual violence and for all the hard work that you do.
1: And thank you again to Kira Luna for sharing so much important information.
0: Production assistance came from George Luna Pena, Tamara Kalaki, Katie Rizzuni, Christina Rodriguez, Melissa Harris, and Roberta
1: Rayal. And last but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth members here at Generation Justice. We could not do what we do without you.
0: Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Our podcasts are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast.
1: We're also active on social media, so like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Generation Justice is funded by the WK Cadillac Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Con Emma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you, who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Derek Toledo.
1: And I'm Kateri Zuni. Up next on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us again next Sunday at 7 o'clock.
0: We're gonna leave you with some more music. Right now is Just The Way You Are by Bruno Mars.